On my Facebook memories this week, I was reminded of a beautiful, a brilliant little video of a conversation between a father and his daughter. And we're going to watch it just now. You need to tune in because they're speaking Scot Scottish and they're speaking quite quickly, but there is subtitles, so it's all right. So let's watch this video. Off we go. Daddy will break his legs. What? Yes, I will. Dad. And guess what will happen after that? What? See your boyfriend's daddy. Daddy will take him hostage and keep him in a cupboard. Dad, listen, I want a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend. I'm getting a boyfriend. You've not got a boyfriend. You're going to be a nun. You're going to be a nun. You're going to work for Jesus. I'm going to be a nun. who you're going to work for. There who you're going to work for. End of story. Now, <clears throat> every time I watch that video, it makes me laugh out loud because I can just imagine Adrian having this conversation with one of our girls, probably Katie, I would imagine. This dad is very protective of his little girl. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. He doesn't want her to get mixed up with, any, uh, with people and things that may lead her to no good. <clears throat> and so he's quite clear as to what he thinks is best for her. Uh, although by the signs of it, I think any potential boyfriend might be a bit scared of her and maybe dad is protecting them from her, I don't know. Um, of course, this dad wants the best for his daughter. Isn't that what most parents want? And they want to do all that they can to try and make that happen. And in our Bible reading today, Paul is writing about a dad, God our Heavenly Father, who wants the best for his children, you and I. He wants to protect them. He wants to do what's good for them. And this chapter is setting the scene for this. Now, in chapter one, we've been looking at over that over the past couple of weeks. Paul wrote of the great purposes and plan of God, culminating in the universal headship of Christ, all of which is to be for the praise of his glory. Paul wrote about the spiritual blessings that we have. He wrote about the fact that we are chosen, adopted, redeemed, heirs, marked by the seal of the Holy Spirit. Remember? That's the power of God, the dynamis within us when we become Jesus' followers. Paul also encourages those hearing this letter to keep on in their faith. Adrian spoke about that last, last week, to keep on the good path. And he prays that their eyes would be open to see more of who God is and to know him better. In chapter 2 now, he proceeds to explain how God, our Heavenly Father, will accomplish his purposes. The plan, he thinks, is best for us, beginning with the salvation of individuals. That's his best plan for his children, for you and I. The plan will protect us if we stay within it, because he wants to do everything he can to protect us. Adrian, he's very protective of us, our almond girls. That's one of the many things that we love about him. We know that he will do everything to ensure our safety, and we feel safe and secure with him. But sometimes he can be a bit of a drama king. <clears throat> Like, for instance, if the girls have, for instance, a lolly in their mouth, and he'll say, don't run with that lolly in your mouth, because if you fall, you'll choke and die. <laughs> or if they've just washed their hair, and they're about to dry it, and he'll say, make sure your dry, hands are dry before, properly before you plug that hairdryer in, because if you don't, you'll get electrocuted and die. It does seem quite dramatic. We do have a bit of a laugh about it. 
but he can see the danger. And because of his love for us, he wants us to know the danger and to protect us from it. The reality is that this could happen. And that would be his worst nightmare as a father. Here Paul reminds the Ephesians and other Christians who follow this letter about what they were like before they came into a relationship with God and were adopted into his family. Here Paul outlines what God's nightmare or worst case scenario for his children is. And it's in these first three verses that says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This picture is not a pretty one, is it? Indeed, it seems rather callous that Paul does this. How would you like it if someone was pointing out all your past sins? Why does he do it? Aren't all our past sins forgiven and forgotten? Why does Paul dredge that all up? It's because you can never fully appreciate the salvation that God has provided until you see the hopeless condition of which you were delivered and, in fact, could go back to If ever forget, we forget where where you were, then you will not be able to appreciate where you are. It's like Adrian. He just needs to remind us of the dangers just to keep us on the right track and keep us safe. There are four descriptions of Paul's and these of the dangers of not living in relationship with God. We were dead, we were disobedient, we were depraved and doomed. So this is a depressing part, I guess, you were dead. In, in Ephesians, in, in verse 1, he says you were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is speaking of a spiritual death. Notice that death doesn't indicate inactivity, but separation. People can be very active in their spiritual death. Most unbelievers are. But being spiritually dead, that there's no connect, nothing connecting us to God. And to change that, we need to be raised from the dead. A resurrection. We sang just there. There is a new song in my mouth. Your love has lifted me. In the last chapters, we read of that power um, that was raised up by Christ from the dead. Now we see the importance of that power. It was necessary because you and I were spiritually dead. And the same power that raised up Christ physically from from dead was necessary to raise you and I up from spiritual death. Secondly, we were disobedient. It says in verse 2, in which you used to live when you were followed the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He said, we didn't follow the way of God. Instead, we veered in two directions. First, we walked in the way of the world, the world in its rebellion towards God and its sin, and suffers the natural result of sin. Secondly, we walked in the way of the devil. He's not called the devil in this passage. Instead, we see him described in two other titles. He's called the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And the point here is that it is the forces of Satan are not down there in hell, but rather up here. Satan is not far and long ago. He's in the nasty here and now, prowling around, bringing confusion and uncertainty and insecurity. Satan is also called the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. His activity is not merely in the past. He's still working. 
He works, it's, it's, it's seen in every disobedient act. It's in the power of God, though, in the dunamis, that helps us to know the difference between what's the right way and what's the wrong way to live and walk in our faith journey and to help us resist the way that is harmful to us. Thirdly, we were depraved. I hate that word. Verse 3, all of us who lived among them, at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Up until this point, Paul has been speaking in the second person, plural. All of you, he's been saying. But Paul is speaking to the church in Asia Minor, particularly Ephesus. And these are predominantly Gentiles. But now, there's a change. Now he switches to the first person, plural. He uses us and we. Now, if verses 1 and 2 relate specifically to those who were raised as pagans, verse 3 relates to those who had a religious upbringing. They were no less in need of a savior. We were all dead in our sins. We all crave the flesh. We want to follow and give in to our desires and thoughts. And then number four, we were doomed. It sounds like an episode from Dad's Army, doesn't it? Verse three, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Instead of being children of God, we were children of wrath. We were on the road to judgment and we were following the one whose destiny was eternal judgment. This is what we were by nature. We need a new nature then. That old person who was by nature a child of wrath needs to be crucified, dead and buried and be reborn and resurrected as a child of the king. And that's exactly why God brought, has brought us, what God has brought about in G Jesus Christ. And this is where the power, the dunamis, lies. And what takes Paul's letter to where we are now. The power, the dunamis, is God's generous kindness. Verses 4 and 5 have got to be amongst the most beautiful and powerful in the whole Bible, I think. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. But because of God's great love for us, the power of the but because, it's because of God's great love for us that we have been saved from eternal torment of hell. It is because of God's great love for us, extended to us through Jesus Christ, that we have been saved, and not by anything that we've done or said or thought, but because. That is the most beautiful phrase in existence. Abraham would have died an old man who had no inheritance, but because God loved him, Abraham became the father of many nations. Moses would have died a stuttering sheep herder, but because God loved him, he became the deliverer to God's chosen people. And how many other people like that in the Bible? But because. We would have all died miserable, unhappy sinners. But because God loves us, he has allowed us to be adopted into his family with all the rights that Jesus Christ has in heaven. Do you believe that? Do you get that? But because God loves us, he has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. But because. What a wonderful praise, phrase to praise God our heavenly father for. When I look in the mirror, I see my earthly body getting older. 
I remember that I would have nothing more, but because God loves me, I have a spirit, and a spirit that praises God that I have a purpose for God's kingdom here and in eternity. But because introduces the glorious contrast to our desperate situation, the dangers that are described, that we've heard about, and the reason for the change is based on God's great love and mercy, not our own accomplishments. He wants the best for us. He wants to protect us because he created us. So Paul then uses three statements to describe God's gracious salvation. He made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. And he seated us with him. A devout Christian being asked if they ever expected to go to heaven answered, why? I live there. Heaven is not a far-off place we know very little about. It can be an experience in the here and now. That is the power of the but because. Remember the old Graham Kendrick song that says, oh, heaven is in my heart. God makes us alive through the spiritual regeneration or new birth. And this regeneration is a spiritual resurrection with Christ. And this new life points forward to the physical resurrection of believers at the Christ's return. Until that glorious day, <clears throat> believers are seated in a position of victory with Christ as he enables them to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those dangers that we talked about earlier. All that God accomplishes, accomplished for the believer was first accomplished in Jesus. God's divine purpose in salvation is to show the incomparable riches of his grace for all eternity. There's your power. There's your dynamis. But because of his great love. Being made alive with Christ means that we are his workmanship and his new creation. And that's what Paul says in verse 10, which is a beautiful verse as well. It's one of my favorites. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. Our identity is no longer in Adam, the sinful, but it is in Christ, the sinless. We are no longer ordinary. We are, by God's love and grace, extraordinary. The whole work of the enemy is to get you to disbelieve that and go back to thinking you are nothing special. We are new creations, begun again, linked with the fullness of life that our Savior reveals. The same loving Father that chose us, called us, and saved us, and has also marked out a wonderful plan for our lives. You may notice that when I do dedications, I always share a prayer with the child. And it's a prayer by Roy Lessing that's called Just Think. And I found it when I worked at territorial headquarters. This was about 23 years ago now. And somehow, in my first week there, I was asked to offer words of welcome to the new territorial commander, who was at the time Commissioner Alex Hughes, on his first day at THQ. Um, I think it was because I was the newest employee there at the time, or perhaps it was some kind of initiation ceremony, <laughs> I don't know. But I found this reading, and since then, the Lord always prompts me of these words when I come to significant moments in my life. And as I was preparing these thoughts for today, 
um, these words came alive to me again um, when I think about verse 10. And I actually believe the Lord wants me to share with them with you today. So here they are. Just think you are here not by chance, but by God's choosing. His hand formed you and made you the person you are. He compares you to no one else. You are one of a kind. You lack nothing that his grace can't give you. He has allowed you to be here at this time in history to fulfill his special purpose for this generation. The power of the but because. His great love and grace. God's generous kindness to us means that we can be free from the guilt of sin. We have the blessings of God's presence and the resources of heaven as we travel through life. We have a plan and we have the hope of eternity. Now, the Lord alone only knows where you sit with him this morning. And perhaps you're in need of this, his dunamis in your life, his generous kindness, his, his great love, his saving grace. You, you need a new infilling of that. You need to understand that more. And but because of great God's great love, he's offering it to you now. As we reflect on that, we're going to sing a beautiful song together that talks of the power of God's generous kindness in his saving grace. The words, you won't have sung this song before, but it's a really simple tune. It's beautiful words. The word that says, your grace that leads a sinner home from death to life forever and sings this song of righteousness by blood and not by merit. And then the chorus that says, by grace I am redeemed, by grace I am restored, and now I freely walk into the arms of Christ my Lord. What beautiful words. We're just going to listen to the tune. Some of you have the music for it as well, if you want to have a look at it over. And then um, we'll sing just, we'll just hear the first verse and then chorus, and then We'll sing the song straight through and take these words in. Do you need that power of his wonderful, amazing grace in your life, of his great love? Do you need that in your life this morning? Let's just listen to this chorus song just now.
so let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to give you thanks for your great love for us, which enables us to be released from the guilt of sin and live new lives in you and have the hope of eternity. I thank you, Father, that every day is just like a fresh, clean page where we can start anew because of your amazing grace. Your generous kindness in this overflowing of love and grace is so powerful. And I pray that each of us will live in the knowledge of that power and goodness and share the generousness of that power with everyone we meet. Father, open our eyes to know and to feel that power of your great love and amazing grace in our lives today. And now may we freely walk into the arms of Christ our Lord because of your great generousness to us. Amen. Amen. So be it.